welcome to Time for Success Business Owner Moms Edition. And this is the show where we explore what is it what does it take to be successful? What does success even really mean to you? What does it take to be successful in business and life and and, and family and all those areas? And um, I'm Matt Barbie. I'm your host. I am the CEO of uh, Time for Success, and I love to work with businesses to help them to create you know profitable businesses, uh, great teams, and and strong processes that give them the the dreams that uh, they and their families have. So we've got uh, Melanie Maynor of Aging Gracefully here with us today. Hi, Melanie. Hi. Good morning. Good morning. Thanks for being with us. Uh, so can you tell the 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 audience a little bit more about what you do? Sure. I'm a social worker and a certified care manager, and I do what's called geriatric care management. So at Aging Gracefully, we're sort of helping families navigate everything related to aging from I'm getting older and I should make a plan all the way through end of life decisions, kind of helping them make those choices, connecting them with resources, overseeing care, hopefully helping them to be intentional rather than just responsive. Right, right. Yeah, because there's so many pitfalls that can happen in that in that process i mean it's hard to figure out what's a good place to go and and even if you do have a good place i mean i'm sure there's communication breakdowns and all sorts of things that can go wrong like what i mean just just real quick like what are some of the the top things that you see go wrong in this whole you know process well you know i think we are lucky to live in st louis which has a lot of resources which is really wonderful but just knowing what all these resources are and understanding what each one does and then which companies are doing good work, which companies are good to work with. The other thing is, um, you know, the situation is loaded. It's somebody that you care about, it's your health. And so you're making these big decisions, but you have all these feelings that, you know, complicate those matters. So just having people that can help you think clearly when you're making decisions quickly sometimes. Oh, I hear you there. I hear you there. Yeah. So it's kind of a, a coaching process almost in some ways because uh, a lot of these things are very emotionally charged. For sure. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. Even okay. though I'm helping people navigate their own healthcare decisions, if I'm in the ER with my child or my husband, oh my I mean, yeah. I need somebody to help me think clearly too. Yeah. So. Yeah. Well, that's good. That's good. So tell us a little bit more about your, your family. Sure. I'm married to um, Peter for 20 years. He's a counselor at... Um, journey uh okay. Karis house counseling and then we live here in webster groves um i have a daughter lillian who's 16 and my son grayson just turned 14 this weekend oh wow well happy birthday yeah grayson <laughs> so um wh- how long have you had your business i started the business 10 years ago 10 years okay so the kids have been growing up in the business and they've seen the the, the trials and the tribulations and the successes and all that kind of stuff sure i kind of so. like to call agent gracefully my third kid right right well yeah yeah it's, it's your baby it's right. my baby <laughs> <laughs> so um are, do you have them are they, are they active in the business do you have them kind of help out in the business at all or uh you know office tasks or anything like that uh, hmm, that's a good idea. I I did I did hire Grayson to help me move a client uh, oh, okay. a couple months ago um, right, on a Saturday. Right. Um, he wanted some new tennis shoes, and so we kind of brokered a deal. Um, nice, nice. You yeah. know, there's issues sometimes with confidentiality with my clients, so mm, I can't always yeah. do that. I have had um, we have a lot of clients where everybody lives out of town, and um, I've had a couple clients where their families really wanted me to bring my children along to family events. where they lived just because they wanted that participation and so my kids have done those sorts of things over the years um 
I work out of my home, so I'm in and out. So they kind of experience me working um, yeah. throughout the, the day, especially in the summer. They see me kind of going and coming. Yeah, yeah. So you know, when you look at your your family and your business, I mean, you've had the business for about ten years. Um, you've been you, you know trying to, to to make all the the games and do all that stuff with kids. Like, how how do you and your husband really define success as a family unit, and and how does that play a role in how you run your business? You know, my goal really has always been to help people and to um, really move into their stories and be with them. And yeah. so more than what our QuickBooks says, that's really right. what I want to be doing. At the end of the day, if we've really helped people, um, we've brought them some measure of peace and comfort. Um, that's really what I want to be doing. And, yeah. and and when I feel like we've been able to do that, I feel really happy about that. Okay. Okay. So you said something about peace and comfort. So when you when you help your clients, how what what does that look like? What's the the uh, optimal uh, uh, result of you helping them out? You know, I really want to give them peace of mind okay. that they've really thought about these decisions clearly, that they've made good choices, that they've been intentional. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I think there's a lot of guilt associated with decisions. Um, about healthcare and aging and end of life. And so I really just want to help them slow down and be intentional and not, um, and just to feel like they've been really thoughtful about that and to encourage them that they, they know their loved one better than anybody. And so I just want to help Mm -hmm. them make those decisions. Yeah. Yeah. Now it's interesting because you, you really work closely with your clients in terms of that decision making during, uh, like emotionally intense times. Like, Mm that's that's got to be that's got to be tough for you like how do you how do you stay calm in those kind of situations um you know i i think that's how god made me i don't know i don't know the answer to that really except for you know i'm trying to really think about them focus on them yeah um to think to think about um you know what they need in that situation and not what i need right right um, so you, you know that really doesn't mean that. that i don't yeah. feel a little anxious on the inside right for sure right. cuz yeah. i mean i'm sure you get um, you get somewhat emotionally invested of course some yeah. some of our clients we will work with for years yeah and you know i certainly um, feel attached to my clients i feel sad mm-hmm. um I also get to do lots of really fun, happy things with my clients too. Yeah. And so certainly, um, you know, when I feel concerned when things are coming up for them and we're making decisions. Mm-hmm. What's, uh, what's like one of your, your biggest wins that, you know, looking back at, at, uh, you know, your business over the past 10 years, what, what one of the biggest impacts that you've had that, uh, you know, you just think back and you're like, man, that, that was awesome. That that's, that's why I do what I do. Can you think of one? <clears throat> You know, um, a lot of the times, well, sometimes I come in when things are in crisis and um, and then sometimes there's sort of an, a, a mini crisis and then we kind yeah. of set up a plan and work that plan. And one of my first clients, um, I worked with her for about five years and all of her children lived yeah. out of town. And so I mm-hmm. would see her two or three days a week and just got to oversee all of her life and take care of things. And, you know, at the beginning of her story, we were helping her move to a memory care unit and uh-huh. working on those sorts of things. And really, um, her daughter was really sad to be so far away. And so we talked a lot about what 
the end of her life might look like and how important it would be for her daughter to be there. And there was a lot of discussions about, is it, should I come out? When do I get on a plane and come? And mm-hmm. um, for for me with her, we were um, able to get her daughter here um, and put her on hospice and the family was able to be with her for end of life. And so mm-hmm. to me, that was really beautiful. We got to to really finish her story exactly the way that they wanted to do that. And it doesn't always work out that way, but for me, when we have been able to take good care of somebody and help them finish well, that that really, that's a win. Yeah, yeah. So obviously in in the process of, of how you work with folks, I mean, end of life is kind of the, the, the end of working with them. So it's just kind of a natural part mm-hmm. of it. Um, how, do you, how do you help um, you know, your clients deal with that, that process. I mean, it's a loved one, it's a family member, um, you know, and, and, and you see it a lot, you know, how, how do you help people to, to go through that process and, and, and feel as, I don't know, with the best outcome that they could have with that? Well, um, fortunately, uh, Deborah, my other care manager has a long history as a hospice chaplain. So she's really good at this work, too. Um, You know, all along, we are really trying to help families come together rather than fall apart. And we're starting that at the very beginning of our work with them. And so all of the time that we've been working with them, we're really working to restore relationships, um, to help people um, say what they want to say to their Mm -hmm. loved ones, hopefully before we're at the end of life, but we've been kind of working on those things all along. You know, I think facilitating hard conversations, mm-hmm. um, those sorts of things, just just kind of bringing up the elephant in the room sometimes is what we're doing. Okay. And just processing, you know, what does end of life mean to them? What do they think happens next? Just kind of sitting with them in those, in those hard places. Yeah, yeah. So helping them to understand, you know, what that means. Now, also... Um, do you, how do you, like, as you see it's coming with the hospice and everything like that, I'm sure you also help to, um, to, to make the, the setting as, as good as it can be too, right? Like the, sure, sure. So, so, so we want to let them that know. experience. Yeah. Yeah. We want to let them know what the options are. Right. So to, you know, I think sometimes as we're aging, and certainly if we get to an end of life situation, our decision making is going to change. Yeah. You know, where we might not want to be in the hospital anymore. We want to be at home or we want to be in a comfortable location. And so telling them those options are out there, facilitating making those things mm-hmm. happen, mm-hmm. making whatever space it is the most comfortable we can make it for the family, for sure. Excellent. Excellent. Okay. Okay. Well, I don't want to belabor the the end of life because there's a whole bunch of time before the end of life. You know, right. That, I was listening to like, the guy before me talk about credit cards and I was like, man, I got this. And then we're just talking about end of life stuff. Right, so. right, 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 right. So, no, but so the, the end of life is obviously going to be a, something that, that's very emotionally impactful sure, sure. way that you work with folks. But but it's not just end of life. It's it's w- at what point would somebody say, eh, maybe it's a good idea to give Melanie a call? Well, I'd love for them to give me a call when they are thinking, huh, I'm getting a little bit older. Maybe I should make a plan for what I want that to look like before okay. there's an emergency. So is that like retirement age? Is that, uh, I mean, what, what is that like as you're starting to have some health issues? I mean, what does that look like? You know, I think if you're starting to have some health issues, if you're starting to make decisions about um, housing, those sorts of things, you know, it's really good to look at your housing situation before you have a health crisis so we can... Um, you know, make make sure that it's it's set up for you if you hmm. need it. Um, 
You know, what I like to say is the way that we keep you at home is really prevention. If we can keep you safe and make it safe for you, then, um, you know, hopefully we can keep you there as long as possible. But probably as people are aging, starting to have health crisis, the beginning of a new diagnosis, Mm -hmm. um, just kind of starting to have those conversations. What about like mobility issues? Is that maybe a good time to start thinking about talking with you? Because like what kind of adaptive equipment there might be that can keep you in the home? Is that a good time as well? Right. And bringing in the resources to look at your home to make it as safe as possible so that hopefully you don't have a fall and and increase um, your level of need. Mm-hmm. So those sorts of things. Anytime you kind of have some sort of, I would say, new health situation or diagnosis, those are good times, talking points. Yeah. And we'll yeah. come and do a free meet and greet or talk to you over the phone. So we can always say, okay, you know what? We're a resource. So you're not really quite ready for us, but um, call us when such and such happens. Helping okay. people think about those things. Yeah. Now, uh, you kind of talked about uh, the the family members that are out of town and, and all that. I mean, um, you know, there's some cultures where as, as people get older, they'll live in the same house and then all. I mean, but but our culture is a little bit different. Um, you know how how do you how, how do you work with folks? How do you encourage them to try to make the most of time as as you start to see kind of the degradation of health and, and memory and all that kind of stuff? Like, how do you help people like better plan for that? I mean, I know it's a kind of a general question, but um, well, I think you know some of it is is fear. They don't know how to do it. They don't know. They don't know how to interact with their loved one who's losing their memory. And so, you know, kind of equipping them. Mm -hmm. um, This is how you do this or modeling it for them in the way that we're talking about it. Yeah. Um, You know, just kind of help showing them what that interaction could look like. But also, I mean, a lot of it is there are many losses before the end of life. I mean, if you're watching your parent or your loved one um, lose their memory, it's really painful. And some of that is sitting with them in those yeah. in those hard places and talking about it and processing it. Yeah. Um, and sometimes they have to offload some of those things to us because it's just too painful. Yeah. Um, and so we want to free them up. So it can be a, a difficult conversation to have, but just like you help Maybe their their sons or daughters and you know their kids and loved ones help you know process situations. They need to be there with their 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 parents and and you know those as they're aging and help them to to process those those things too. Because I mean, would you say that you see it fairly often that people since they don't know how to talk about it, they just kind of try to ignore it, and so that I think leaves... that's a, a lot of of what we're dealing with. We don't yeah. want to think about our health failing we don't want to think about getting older we don't want to think about end of life issues and so we just don't want to talk about it right and we try to ignore it and that's that's kind of what we're trying to kind of push the envelope on to help people be intentional rather than responsive yeah um to say let's think about this when we're not in a really scary moment so that when we are we can remember what we want to do okay and what's important yeah um you know, so you, you've got kids who have been uh, involved for 10 years in mm-hmm. seeing aging process and, and all that. Um, and, and they've gotten involved in some clients' lives and, and, and seen that. How have you helped them to like understand and process the, the aging process? Do they seem to just kind of take to it? I mean, have you had to have some conversations with them? I mean, what, what, what are some tips for folks who... You know, trying to, to, to teach their kids about how to deal with this. Um, 
you know, I mean, they're they're kind of watching me do this all the time. And of course, yeah. you know, I don't know what you talk about at dinner, but you know, I talk about <laughs> end of life stuff at dinner. Right, um, right. So you know, so I. Part of it is I'm seeing families deal with these things. And so at, at the dinner table, I'm saying, hey, you know what? If I ever get sick or I'm ever dying, this is what I want. And that um, sometimes I'm kind of silly about it. Like I, um, I sometimes tell my kids, now don't forget, I really would like to be buried in jeans and my cowboy boots because I'm worried <laughs> that you show whatever you show up in, you got to wear for eternity. And that's funny. But um you know, part of it is I really believe having those discussions when the situation isn't loaded is really important. So just in the day to day talking about what I would want if I were in a health crisis or what what I would want to have happen if I were dying. Yeah. You know, I hope that one day when I am, they can remember those kind of funny conversations and it will equip them to make good decisions. So it seems like jeans and cowboy boots would be really uncomfortable for eternity. But a dress and heels? I don't know, Matt. Have you tried that? Well, I mean, I wouldn't necessarily suggest heels. So, so when you're dressing for <laughs> eternity, is it more? Is it comfort or is it look? Like, what do you what do you you know aesthetics or man? I mean, that's a it's a I, hard. hard I'm decision. usually choosing comfort. <laughs> <laughs> Well, yeah. All right. All right. Good. Good. So that's what you suggest. All right. That's that's good to know. Um, so you're able to to have those conversations with the kids, you know, and you have them fairly often. Um, what has it been like, though? I mean, I'm sure there's been those those tough moments, you know, where where somebody that they've gotten fairly close to is kind of um, starting to lose memory. And I mean, how 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 do you suggest um, helping kids kind of process and understand that? You know, I think kids. You know, kids are kind of great because they just ask the question rather than adults who, you know, maybe want to ignore it. They try to avoid it, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So kids will oftentimes just kind of move right into that. And so, you know, just talking to them, answering their questions, um, taking, um, trying to take the fear out of it, making Mm -hmm. um, things seem normal, um, modeling for them, this is how we do this. Also just kind of helping facilitate things like, touching a person and making them seem real because sometimes you go into an environment and it looks really different. Maybe you're going yeah. into assisted living and you're seeing all these new things. And so helping them see their loved one as a person um, rather than, you know, in this situation as a patient, Yeah. but just kind of helping bridge those gaps, giving yeah. modeling, giving hugs, touching, remind, starting conversations, those kinds of things. And usually kids kind of warm up pretty quickly. Okay. Well, good, good. So, you know, over the past 10 years, um, obviously you've probably had, I mean, would, have you ever said that you've, you've had a, a few, you know, trials and tribulations? I mean, maybe. Oh, for sure. For sure. <laughs> I didn't know what I was doing when I got into this, for sure. <laughs> I liked the work, but I had no idea how to run a business. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, how did you kind of come into this? I mean, was it was it something that you were doing before you started this business uh, pretty frequently? <laughs> um, is it something like, what, what was your passion behind this? Well, I grew up in a small town and I spent a lot of time with my grandparents and I always Mm. really, really loved their generation and their stories. And so I always had a passion for older adults. That was just kind of always something that I loved from the time I was a little girl. Okay. And then when I was in my early 20s, my mom had cancer and Mm. she died when I was 22. And so I had this experience really early of a major health crisis for for somebody that I loved. And, you know, as I became a social worker and reflected on that, I just really felt like it would have been helpful for us to have somebody that was helping us navigate it that wasn't part of our family. I think we did okay, but I think, you know, if we'd had an advocate, somebody that was um, 
talking through those things, telling us what was going to happen, helping us make decisions, yeah. talking to us about saying goodbye would have been really helpful. Yeah. Um, and so in my career, I moved, I kind of moved into doing case management of various sorts. I did case management for psychiatric patients for a while and then mm. kidney transplant patients. And then I took a little break and I had my kids and I started working yeah. part time for another group that was doing geriatric care management and okay. in home therapy. Right. And I was like, this is my thing. This is my perfect job. I just <laughs> totally loved it. And uh, I came home one day and I, I was working really part time. I said to my husband, I think I could do this on my own. <laughs> uh, so aging gracefully was born. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. But, you know, we have grown a lot over the last 10 years and I feel like we're um, expanding and growing now more. It's really fun. Good, good. So what were some of the lessons that you had from, um, you know, the, the early days of, of business startup? You know, because you're going from from social work into business. And so I would imagine, I mean, maybe I'm wrong, but that there was a lot of uh, leading with your heart. Oh, right. And uh, sometimes that didn't always reflect well on the numbers. Is that is that fair to say? For sure. For sure. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I certainly, um, you know, everyone I meet, I want to help. And so... Yeah. You end up doing things a lot of giving things away for free. Um, and, um, and that's hard. It's, it's always, and it still is really hard for me to talk about the cost. Um, Mm. I just want to kind of to help and and not do that. Um, you know, I didn't know how to work QuickBooks. I didn't know, um, how to network or have one-to-ones, those kinds of things. So there was, none of that was addressed in social work school. Um, (laughs) so it's, it's kind of learning on my feet from people like you, reading books, yeah. going to meetings, that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah. So what was, uh, I mean, in terms of books, like what was the, the one of the biggest books, or the biggest breakthrough, uh, that gave you one of the biggest breakthroughs for business then? Oh, gosh. I don't know. I've read a lot of business books this year. Um, you know, um, what's the name of that book? The Go-Giver? The, oh, yeah, The Go-Giver. That's a good one. Yeah. 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 That's been really helpful. Um I've just been reading the story brand stuff this weekend. Mm. Um, I don't know. Yeah. I've read quite a well, few uh, books. Well, a couple of Like The Go-Giver. I mean, what, what was kind of the biggest impact on, on you with that book? Yeah, well, I think I found networking and meeting with people kind of intimidating. And mm. when um, it was kind of boiled down to me that all we're really doing is hearing people's stories and making connections, I was like, oh, yeah. that's yeah. what I love to do. That's that's the social work skill. I can do that. So awesome. Awesome. Yeah. I, it made a uh, business a little bit more relatable. Good, good. All right. So the go-giver. Yeah. I, I could definitely see, especially, um, you know, since you're, you're so passionate about people, right. helping people would be huge. So, uh, we've only got probably, well, I guess maybe like a minute and a half. So if you wouldn't mind just kind of telling the audience again, a little bit about what you do and how you help folks and then how they can find more information about you. Sure. Um, we help people with everything related to aging, helping them think through things, make decisions, make a plan. So yeah. if you have any questions in that category, feel free to give us a call. You can you can find us on Facebook. Um, you can um, also call us at 314-827-6654, or you can look us up on our website, which is aginggracefully-stl.com. Perfect. Thank you so much. Well, this Thanks. has been... 
Thank you. This has been Matt Barbie uh, and with uh, Melanie Maynard. And uh, this is Time for Success, Business Owner Moms Edition. And uh, to find out more information about how to, uh, how, how to create the kind of business that gives you and, and your family the lives that you dream of so that uh, you have a little bit more time to age a little bit more gracefully and, and the, uh, the money and the freedom to be able to do that, right? <laughs> Uh, you can uh, reach out. My phone number is uh, 314-441-5423. Thank you very much. Again, Matt Barbie, time for success. <laughs>